Thanks to Grammarly for supporting the Apple Bits XL podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. All right, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Brian Tong, your host, always doing the most. Hey, this is a big show, a big episode, because WWDC 2019 happened this week. So what I wanted to do is bring in an expert from the field, Lance Yulnoff. He's been on the show before. He's one of my favorite guests. In fact, pretty much all of my guests are my favorite guests, so we're going to talk to him in a moment, and just to let you all know, you can also, to get a completely ad-free version of this show, you can support me at patreon.com slash Tong. It's a way to start supporting the show at $2 a month, $5, $10, $25, $100. There's different benefits and rewards. Patreon subscribers not only get an ad-free version of the show, but they get early access to the episode, so I actually put this up on Tuesday for our Patreon supporters, so that's another way you can support the show but let's get into it it's episode 70 we also want you all to call in because i'd love to hear your thoughts about wwdc you can do that by recording a voice memo on your phone and then send it to applebitsshow at gmail.com that's bits with a z because this show is yours just as much as it is mine and it really just adds to the whole flavor of it so without further ado Let's get to the reactions and recap of WWDC 2019. All right, guys and gals, Lance Yulnoff in the house, friend of the show, the Applebits XL. And Lance, uh, you're in San Jose. You were at WWDC right now. Thanks so much for your time. Um, how is it going on out there right now? Good, good. It's been a uh, busy couple of days. Uh, yesterday was obviously super intense. <laughs> a like breakneck next speed two and a half almost hours of of non-stop information from apple across all sorts of new you know all the platforms including one new one and i could barely keep up and i'm sure there's things that i missed because i was you know live tweeting and oh, yeah. going back and forth and i was like oh that that screen's gone so yeah it was it was crazy and then today is uh, more meetings with apple and they see people are you know, still running around. There's a lot of sessions that people are going to. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of energy here. Well, I want to also say thank you so much for coming to the show and to let the listeners understand how much love and respect we have for you. Lance, um, you are in the Fairmont right now and you basically had to navigate around to find a quiet spot. You're not in like a hotel room right now. You stole a chair. Lance, <laughs> you're a beast. You're a beast. I literally, I, I could tell you, you know, the strange thing is I'm literally in a space that has no apparent purpose. It's this, it's an alcove inside an alcove and I don't know why it's here. I think maybe at one time it might've been for a phone or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it didn't have a chair. So I walked just across the way and grabbed a chair and stole it out of the room. So if somebody comes over like security and drags me out, you'll probably hear all of it. That'll be great. And all I'm saying is that level of effort. Hey, if you need me to do anything for you, okay, I got your back. This is way above and beyond. So thanks so much, Lance. Um, let's just jump into WWDC kind of top of the mind thoughts. What were maybe some of the things that stood out for you or the, the one thing that really got your attention? 
Well, I, you know, I guess I keep going back to the uh, the privacy thing, the sign-in totally. with Apple. That was a, a really, really big deal. Um, and again, this is Apple leaning into um, its position as a privacy leader. And I know that sounds like, oh, you're just an Apple fan. I can, but but I, you have to understand that because of Apple's different business model, they never had to need your data to serve ads or anything like that. And, and they've smartly realized that that puts them in a great position to just just lean hard into it. And now with signing with Apple, basically you no longer have to give uh, your email address to these third-party apps. Uh, you don't have to use your social sign-on. And that's a big deal, not using your social sign-on because regardless of what happens on the app or what happens with Apple, once you sign in with your social, well, it's a question of what is your social or your data provider. You know, like if it's Google, who's doing it's more just pure data. And if it's Facebook, it's social what are they doing with the information because now it's linked up to this app. So you don't have to do that at all because Apple's going to handle it. And Apple's doing other things. With, I mean, there was, there was a thread running through here of privacy um, and privacy enhancements, like you know, location per session, location access for apps is another huge deal. You know, it's like turn it on. Uh, for a moment because it needs it and it's turned off after that session automatically so you don't end up leaving it on um, so that really obviously that stood out so did um, uh, the I- iPad OS because mm-hmm. that becomes you know iPad has become distinct as a platform from from the iPhone but they were both running iOS or you know 12 even though even though there were differences uh, and so now they're really going hard on those differences, making it so much, I mean, it's really about productivity. It's really about multi-screens. It's really about access to files. You can even open zip files in it, put a thumb drive in your iPad. Oh, crazy. See, this is, you know, these are things that transform this device. And it, it also speaks to Apple's commitment to the tablet platform. So, you know, and I'm carrying around right now an iPad Pro, you know, which is a great device, you know, the big yep. one. Um, so it's exciting to see, you know, all of these new gestures, the new ways you can use the pencil, uh, and then, you know, if I had to pick three, the third uh, yeah. obviously would be the, 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 the Mac Pro. Uh, and I had thought that this could be the moment where they would do it because uh, back in, I guess, 2013, when they first introduced it, it was at a WWDC. Mm-hmm. And I remember that we all stepped out of this was actually a different convention center in San Francisco. And we all ran out of the hall and in under glass was the Mac pro, the little trash can one, you know, this, uh, and you know, it was a very different design for a workstation. And you know, basically they've now finally, after two years of working on it, cause it went back to the drawing board, they introduced an all new Mac pro and it's a, it is, it's a stunner. It's a beast. many, Many levels. It's it's really something. So uh, those are those are things where it's just you know the the big big highlights. There's a lot. You know, there's so many. I mean, there's so many things that are going on. There's so many updates, and there are a bunch of me too things where they you know did stuff that people have been doing for a while. And you know, like oh that's nice. You know, it's like but uh, you know they, they there are a lot of things they did that are very distinctly Apple and uh, exciting. You know, I'll, I'll let's we'll kind of touch on the three things that you t- talked about because I kind of had some thoughts around those. I thought what was really interesting about Apple taking this privacy um, and kind of really pushing it really hard is in the past over the past few years, the only time they've really talked about privacy is in reference to 
the iPhone, it's always like, hey, everything's secure on your phone. It's on the secure enclave. And they'd always be like, we we take care of privacy. But then at WWDC, we saw all these different things. We saw sign in. We saw how they're going to. Sure, it's going to take a long time to really roll out. And Apple typically is very tight to the chest, close to the vest of the partners they work with. But showing that HomeKit security camera stuff, that was mm-hmm. kind of fascinating to me. And then they they even dropped it in there. Oh, yeah, we're also working on partners with routers. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is now finally becoming more than just privacy on your phone, but just an entire push in a privacy that now can really build a story of how Apple is doing it. You kind of alluded to the fact that there's more and more sessions about privacy. Is is privacy one of those big themes that you could really just put your finger right on at WWDC overall? Yeah, I think so, because there's also tools for um, third-party developers or app developers developers to tap into this. I mean, even you're just assigning with Apple, they have to understand how that works because if they are using a third-party authentication service, they, they're required to have this, mm-hmm. you know, offer this as an option. So they're all having to learn about this. Um, you know, Apple is basically just taking a privacy leadership position here and uh, they're, you know, when you're working with third-party hardware manufacturers to try and implement this stuff, you know, notice that in the, the, uh, the webcam one, the security cam one, you know, Nest is not is yeah, not in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Google's product isn't in there. Uh, and what they're trying to do there may be an overreach. We'll see because you know what they're, you know, it's it's about taking the video, encrypting it, sending it to the iCloud, and then you get it on demand. But then you've also <laughs> got to have the space for it. And and so there's a bunch of things there that that you know may not play out exactly as people expect. Um, but you know, I I appreciate it. I think the same thing with the router idea. It's I mean, they're trying to do something that, quite honestly, router manufacturers should already be doing. They should basically be identifying the IPs of these individual pieces of device hardware and, you know, cordoning them off from each other in a way that allows them to communicate but protects them from something that's spreading, you know, like malware or some sort of security alert. That can be done at a router level. It's just interesting that it ends up being Apple doing this. Yeah, absolutely. I I thought it was just fascinating just to kind of see them transform because... Quite honestly, when you when I know you were in the room, but at least externally watching the keynote, the sign on with Apple got the loudest applause of the entire keynote. Yeah, it was it was a big surprise. And I think it's a big shift for the industry. Um, And it's uh, it's a shot across the bow of all the, you know, the social media companies, everybody else who's just kind of willy nilly saying, just give, 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 give us your emails, do this and we'll you know worry about it later. Um, so Apple gets to look like the good guy. You know, is Apple purely the good guy? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think that uh, they kind of stumbled into this, but now they own it. Yeah. Um, and they get to be they get to be real about it. And they're doing the other part, which was really important because they've been talking the talk and doing things on their side, but they've only had so much control over their partners. But now you see they're really enforcing control on their partners, and that's going to change the game. Yeah, really, really fascinating to see how it all kind of plays out. And I do agree with you of your point that even though they showed off the HomeKit security cameras, it kind of reminded me of remember years ago when they're like, hey, we're going to do HomeKit. And they've really signed on so few partners that the smart home uh, device industry has just exploded without Apple, quite honestly, around Google and Amazon. So they showed those three companies. And in the past, you're like, oh, cool, this could scale up and Home HomeKit out of all their platforms is one of the few ones that just has never been able to scale up. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think you make a great point there. So let's talk about um, iPad OS, something that I'm a huge fan of the iPad Pro. You and I both love this thing. 
it it seemed like baby steps, but actual steps of like, okay, they they're not gonna definitely jump into this hybrid device yet, but this was finally one of those first big leaps that you could see from the files app looking basically like a desktop file navigation yeah. hierarchy system and yep. putting in your file storage. It just really said, okay, fine, they're taking their time, but man, I've got to imagine this whole hybrid OS thing, maybe it's coming in two or three years. And they show, we even saw after the keynote, they didn't show it at the actual keynote, but reports and demos have showed off that there's an accessibility setting that actually shows mouse support for the iPad. It's under accessibility right now, but they're they're putting those those hooks and threads there that make you go, okay, they might actually be doing this. Yeah, I, I can see that. And I, I think it just... It's a recognition that this is, you know, when you have a screen that big that you're going to use it to get things done. And there are certain metaphors that are going to work better for you in a productivity setting and file management, drag and drop. Uh, you know the, th- the the ability to, to to access external drives, having a browser that that acts like a desktop browser. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the it, it's all of it is definitely you know shifting that direction. And meanwhile, though they've you know they've got something called Sidecar for Mac OS Catalina, which then takes the iPad and makes it an ex- a screen extension mm-hmm. for for your Mac, or or kind of like a Wacom trackpad almost you know uh so they're really you know there's there is this idea of things bleeding over like how many times did they say that something that was available on the mac was also going to be available on ios you know how how many things did we look at across Mm -hmm. the the panoply of stuff that were like it's also on this platform and that platform is all kind of bleeding over into each other you know there's a lot of cross-pollination happening where the walls that used to exist between these platforms is slowly but surely coming down. And, uh, you know, so it's not just the underpinning of the, the iCloud in the background, like with the access to everything, it's, it's actual functionality and some duplication of functionality. So what you can do on one platform, you can do on the other. So it's, it is shifting, but they're doing it in a very, I think, smart and careful way, you know, that they're not forcing it. It's not a wholesale change that makes the iPad unrecognizable. Instead, it's smart changes. And, Again, it's been gradual because you and I both used the iPad for a long time. And when they started to add these features that were iPad only, like multitask, you know, multi-screen and the mm-hmm. ability to have the slide over screen. And, you know, I, and I was using all those things. I am using all those. So they're really enhancing all of that and going beyond that. Is there, as an iPad Pro user, was there any specific feature for you that you're, you instantly were like, that's the thing that I love the most? I mean... For me, obviously, it's putting a drive. But were there any other features that we haven't talked about that kind of surprised you? Like, ooh, I like that. Um, no, I think. Well, there was actually there's okay. One thing, and I didn't even talk about this while I was writing because I was like running out of so like, many things time to talk space, about. Right, but there was three. Okay, there's a bunch of three finger pinch gestures. One of them, and this is really interesting, is for the keyboard. So when you're using the keyboard, the, 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 the digital keyboard, you know, and it covers, what, a third of the screen or more, mm-hmm. um, you take your fingers and you pinch and you make it into this basically iPhone size keyboard. And then you use the quick type, you know, the scan, like you type with by just swiping your finger oh, around. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's nuts. It's really nuts. <laughs> and, 
you know, it's actually, it's like something that doesn't exist anywhere for, for any of their platforms, not quite in that way. Because you get this big screen, you have this little keyboard on top of it, you can use it kind of swipe around or quickly type if you can do just a single thumb type. So uh, that actually was really cool. Was that something that you think, at least, you know, I know you're initially playing with it, but was that one of those things that sometimes when we try out a new UI or feature, you're like, you know what, I'm actually going to probably use this once in a while. Yeah, no, I thought so because oftentimes I'm very frustrated by how much of the screen disappears. You know, it's like I'm like, thank God I have the smart keyboard, you know, the physical one because otherwise I'd lose my mind. Uh, but this ability, like imagine on a Mac Mini like this because this, you know, iPad OS is going to come to all the, the major, you know, and we have a new Mac Mini, uh, uh, iPad Mini, I mean. So uh, it's a perfect size and you've got this little thumb controlled keyboard on your left and you're – or you're right. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. So it's it's definitely going to be a feature that I'm going to try out. Yeah, you know, I, as you're talking about this, they're really, you know, we have always talked about the power of the ecosystem, but now we're actually starting to see it come together as now that Apple is starting to connect all the dots between these different platforms on iOS and now to the Mac. I mean, you know, we're already seeing the apps coming together from the right. iPad side to the Mac. You already seen now basically not only was it with the keyboard but uh when craig federighi was showing off multitasking and how you can kind of switch behind apps on the ipad it basically kind of looked like an iphone panel that you could just kind of swipe through and i'm like yeah. wow you know you're starting to see a lot of this connective tissue coming together and i thought i thought it was really exciting to see as someone who's in the ecosystem specifically it's like man th this is the type of stuff that is going to keep people in there. Even it's going to lock them in even stronger. And at the same time, it's funny because a lot of these features are things that people have quite honestly been asking Apple to do for years. And now it's like, Hey, they're doing them. And people are like, yes, I love you. I love you. It's like, all they had to do is maybe, you know, do it a little earlier instead of two, three, four years later. Well, think about, you know, some of these things are very windows like, you know, totally. I, I feel like they maybe like, for example, multiple app instances, you can have Word running next to Word, notes running, and you can swipe through. Like there's a, um, I, I want to call it App Explorer, but it might not be right. Um, mm -hmm. But basically, you can see all the instances of an app that you've opened. You know, it's it's Windows, yeah. right? It's it's totally Windows, but it's it's done in an iPad, and it's it's a little bit more elegant, I'd say, but uh, more organized. Uh, but again, I would think that one of the reasons that they wouldn't have done something like that on the iPad, it's like, oh, this isn't a, a desktop system. This isn't a Windows system. It's, you know, it's distinctly Apple and iPad. It's distinctly iOS. But I think now there's a sense of, you know, we've got these people and they love what we do, but they're looking for more. And let's not hold back because we think someone might say that's too much like this. Yeah, that, it's, it's a great it's a great point. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting our podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. So to start off this year, improve yourself and your communication at school, work, and almost anywhere with Grammarly. It's available across platforms including online browser extensions, desktop editor, and a mobile keyboard checker. Grammarly is available on multiple browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, and platforms like iOS, Android, Windows, and Mac. And the free product reviews critical spelling and grammar. Grammarly Premium looks out for spelling, 
grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style with context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions like a business proposal or an academic essay. And I know I pretty much need all of the above. Now stop making email typos on your phone, close more deals at work this year with your emails, and polish your resume to get that new job. Grammarly is going to help you accomplish those goals. Now, I installed the plugin on my browser and it worked everywhere from emails to tweets to comments in YouTube and it was pretty seamless. It didn't get in my way at all and I still use it every day now on multiple computers because I actually like it. Now, there's punctuation and contextual spelling checkers in the premium Grammarly account. You also have plagiarism detection, and it still works across the web. So go to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. So um, obviously, we've got to talk about the Mac Pro the thing um, looked amazing. Now, internally, you're in there. Were you paying attention to? I mean, you're so busy working, but were you paying attention to all the cheese grater jokes? Like, could you could you see them coming in on your feet, or you you were ignoring I, it? I heard about them, but I think you know, I get it. And I even <laughs> said, I even tweeted that I thought people would be talking about this grill. Um, but when you see it up close, it's something more than that. It's actually more complex. But I think it's a, it's a good, easy joke, and I got it. Um, but it, the, the design, that grill is, um, so the best way to describe it is spheres, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's carved out spheres that overlap. So it's created this weird sort of channel system for the, uh, the, the airflow, uh, which is basically unique to this device and actually to this device and the uh, new um, display. Uh, so... You know, and I did not. I mean, during the time I was I was uh, live tweeting, I did not look at anybody else's tweets. I didn't have mm-hmm. any time. It was just like <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Um, but I think that you know, this is this is a. Um, I mean, you, you really can only understand the new Mac Pro from the perspective of what they did right before it, because you know as they told me a couple of years ago when they realized they were going to redo this stuff, they had made a mistake and they had really boxed themselves inside a cylinder. And I think that was a critical error. It caused people, the core audience that was supposed to buy this to turn away from it um, and make other choices. And, uh, they wanted to kind of do it. They wanted to start from scratch and they, you if anyone thinks when you look at it that this is based on the previous design, which also happens to be a tower, you know, prior to the, the can, um, it's not. I mean, it's just not at all. Uh, so, and you can see that when you look at it, when it's taken apart. Uh, so it's kind of a remarkable achievement, but it's also a really interesting sort of tale in the way it happened over the course of, you know, six years uh, and, you know, the last couple of years in particular. And the amount of power in this thing is, you know, which can speak, you know, it scales because it starts at eight cores. The Intel Xeon processor starts at eight. You know, that's your base price, mm-hmm. uh, but scales up to 28 cores. And also you can scale up to 1.5 terabytes of RAM. Ridiculous. Of memory, which, you know, every time I say it, I have to sell people, I'm talking about RAM. <laughs> RAM. Yeah. And that's, that's like what, what, you know, but, 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 you know, it's really important for people to remember that you're starting at six thousand dollars, but you're going to spend 
ultimately a lot more if you want that level of power. You know, yeah. if you want to go all the way to the, the, the like two graphics cards and, you know, all these other, like, uh, these other, um, the accelerator, the afterburner They have these other things. They can put the afterburner accelerator and they're putting these other things in. And then, uh, you know, they can, you can do rate arrays inside of it. I mean, you can just do, but, but why can you do all that? Because they, they redesigned the chassis so it actually makes sense as a customizable workstation. And that is what they absolutely had to do. You know, yeah. and then they pair, they pair it with this display that oh is nuts. Oh my God. Nuts. How, how, you know what? I need to ask you your, you know, because you got to see it. Well, if you can kind of kind of remember, what was your first gut instinct when you first saw the display in person? Oh, it's gorgeous. It's um, it's just you know, and it's not like a thin, elegant display. It's thick. Um, it's you know, it's it's got that sort of workstation look to it a little bit. I mean, it's still it's still nice looking, but the screen itself, the display is. Um, well, you know, you remember probably the first time you saw a 5K Retina display mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, whoa. Well, this is 6K. And it's also got um, crazy, crazy contrast. Yep, yep. It's like a million to 1, one. 000, yeah, 1,000 nits of brightness. And it, it just it – just the detail and the things look excellent. And, of course, as a reference display, they're accurate. And yeah. That's critical. So – um, I was impressed. I was really impressed with it. And but again, it's this is you know this is a, a particular market. It's a five thousand dollar display without the stand, you know? <laughs> which was okay. That was the funniest thing watching it. Like the, to hear the audible murmur when they're like, "All right, the the visa mount for the wall is uh, one ninety nine, and the stand is nine ninety nine. People were freaking out. Like, yeah, yeah people are well, freaking out. I think, but they met, you know, look, the, the box itself, the Mac Pro comes in a rack mount model. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they, they imagine that people are going to buy, you know, they're maybe going to buy a, a few of these, rack mount them, put the screens up. Or they get, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you do it. This is, you know, if you're sitting in that room and you're thinking like a standard desktop user, you're not getting it. That's not totally. who this is for. And, you know, this is, they want that customizability. Um, a lot of people will probably not even bother with the stand, but the stand does offer, you know, that, you know, which you could do in the visa mount, but certainly the stand or the, the ability to go into portrait mode. It's awesome. Um, they would not let us touch it, by the way. Yeah. Oh, really? So they, I, they didn't let no. anyone actually physically move the, you know, this, no. uh, wait, this nope. virtually weightless screen. Nope. It, wow. So that, did they let you touch the Mac Pro at all? Um... Or you were being I, a good boy. You're like, I'll respect, I'll respect the boundaries. You know, I all I can say is not in the demo room. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Okay. Oh, interesting. You're being very ambiguous about this, Lance. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, from just when you talk about this machine, it's truly a pros pro machine. But that's yeah. why I love it. Like even you know myself, right? editing video doing all this content yeah that is not in my price range right now but what i love about it is you know apple's quite honestly and we've i've been a part of it i think a lot of people people have been frustrated by seeing they there's this perception and sometimes perception is reality that yes apple is innovating but they haven't shown us that they could go like i say balls to the wall high end we're gonna make something that no one else can match at this moment in time and they did that. They they were like, "Hey, yeah. you know what? When you if you really want us to show you that we can innovate when we put our minds to it and actually focus on it, we absolutely can." And that's what I thought was just a great moment to it it reminded me 
of what we used to see from them because like and they admit it you know they know that they had lost some of their pro customers we all know that they had transitioned and they still are driving towards a consumer driven audience but in those moments they lost that pro customer who's really kind of the heartbeat of apple in its original form and its dna and so to see them serve that audience to see people inside apple that can't afford these machines get excited about it and to see people that can also get excited about they're they're doing the right thing i thought this was honestly one of their best keynotes that i can remember in the past three four years because there's just so much great stuff and we're moving in all these different directions and you're starting to you kind of felt like wow this is a big momentum setter for the next few years yeah yeah i did too i i i um i mean that's why i come to the to wwdc because it's a roadmap uh for the coming year and uh it sets the tone in a lot of different ways uh and they had so much, we could see they had so much that they were skating on the surface of many things. And, you know, they, they go fast because they're trying to, they're thrilling and exciting to consumers who are watching online. But they know that all the developers sitting in those rooms are big, basically picking pieces off that they're going to pursue during the rest of the conference. Mm-hmm. So it's not about giving people the depth there. And so... You know, we, we basically just, you know, got the, the highlights, but the highlights were all intriguing. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, one of the other things that uh, is worth mentioning, um, because maybe I'll write about this at some point, is that I think we may be turning a real corner with Apple Maps. I mean, I, mm. I, it's funny to me that after all these years, it's still a whipping boy when it's by no means the piece of garbage it was when it started. Um, and its integration with other devices like your Apple Watch and for taps for turn-by-turn directions is is excellent. It has been for a long time. Lance, you know, you're the first person that brought that to my attention. And ever since you did, I do use that specifically when I'm like walking around New York. Oh, it gets, it's, my, it's my absolute go-to um, for every trip. It was a great but, call. Thank you. But, but now, you know, you look at what they're doing to uh, the, the, their, their version of Street View and uh, the flyover for these cities and the level of detail that you're going to get and the smoothness of it and, uh, you know, the transit information that's coming, uh, real-time transit information. They're really enriching it in a way where I think that, you know, Google Maps is, is very good and excellent. I tend to use it on the desktop almost exclusively because, you know, for the Windows system often, but... And even on the Mac, uh, but uh, when it comes to mobile devices, uh, I think that people need to take a second look at, at this. And they also now, you know, I think Apple's you know, Apple's doing the hard push on on making maps better, but they're also with Siri integrating third party maps so you can access them with voice. And you know, like whether it's Waze or, or Google, you can you know like do it that way. So they're they're not trying to tell people exactly what they need to do, but they're trying to give them a version that they think they'll actually like better than they think. When we when you talked about maps, maps is more than capable now. It really is. It's just that it's one of those things where perception is reality and it's hard it's hard to shake that. You know, it's hard to shake the perception of what people think Apple Maps is. Yeah, no, I know. And I know that uh when I tell people I use Apple Maps, they look at me sideways and I'm like, look, you know, I know what I know. <laughs> and I <laughs> says it's it. <laughs> you know when we talk about also perception maybe reality Siri they, I thought the most. I know they could. They had so many things to throw at us, but I felt at least watching externally that the Siri section was just kind of almost like a rushed kind of. Hey, it can do this. Hey, it can do that. Hey, it can do this. Hey, it can do that. And they didn't really 
show us enough of it in action. Um, you know, two of the highlights, I did like what they're doing with the AirPods where you can just basically on the go while the AirPods are in your ear, hear yeah. messages, receive them. That's really convenient for users. And then they showed off and what was rumored, the ability for the devices, they didn't tell us which device. I'm assuming it's only devices that have Bluetooth 5.0 will support a single iOS device list using or being able to connect to two separate AirPod sets. Did they elaborate on that anywhere that you've seen or that you've been around? No, because my hunch was like, yet. is it just AirPods? Is it other Bluetooth headphones? You know, I'm I, I was very curious. Just, I'm guessing it's just the AirPods yeah. with the new, the updated chip is my guess. Yeah. What is that, the H1 the, chip? Yeah, that was my uh, assumption too. I just didn't know if you yeah. heard anything. Yeah, they, no, we, we haven't gotten further information on that. And I kind of agree on Siri in that um, I still believe that you know, again, Siri's in a weird place. It's got the perception reality thing. It's not as good as, as say, Google Assistant, but it's not as bad as you think it is. Mm -hmm. um, it's got actually more utility than you imagine. I know a lot of people don't use it. I think the big problem is that it doesn't have a good in-the-home hardware companion uh, like an Echo or an Echo Dot. Um, and they really still are trying to push hard on the HomePod as if that's going to be the device that everybody's going to buy. It's a $349 device. It's a beautiful sound. It looks nice, but it's big. It's expensive and not that many people are buying it. So, you know, you want people to get on this, you know, if they come out with a tiny HomePod that now can support, you know, it IDs different voices for different access to different music collections. Stuff, that's, that would be brilliant. That's a big step uh, for them. That would be a big step for them to move forward. Yeah. I mean, and that may happen in the fall because the fall would be the right time for that. And this could be a setup for that because I think you're still pressing on the HomePod as the thing um, is not working for them. Uh, but they still, you know, again, that goes back to the whole smart homes thing and HomeKit still needs, you know, the home app needs an update. And there's a bunch of stuff in there that's still not right. Um, but as far as Siri, the big news was the, the new voice, the new yeah. old TTS, uh, you know, which um, makes it sound more natural. And I've heard it a number of times um, in a couple of different situations, and it is better. It is definitely better. It's not perfect. Um, there's still some weirdness that I'm noticing, but uh, uh, it's better. But, you know, in a way, because it was so much to do, uh, they didn't get to do what, what Google tends to do with its voice stuff and really geek out like crazy and show you something mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. There was nothing mind-boggling here. You know, Siri is not picking up the phone for you and making a hair appointment. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's not happening. Is, um, is Siri still a theme in the developer workshops at all? Or are there any other kind of themes that maybe we're not aware of that you might have seen from, from a workshop standpoint? I'm just putting you on the spot here, so sorry. I would say, I would say that uh, Siri Shortcuts is a really important one because um, now Shortcuts is part of the uh, OS. And so they're really pushing developers to, to, act, to use that. Um, because they, you can build all these great shortcuts, and but you have to build in the ability for your your app to be connected to it. So I think that's something that a lot of people are going to be exploring more than when it was first announced. And kind of, you know, this weird thing you had to download, and it was too inscrutable to figure out. And now it's really, you know, they've redesigned it. I think that you know, and they've also made it more proactive. So if developers, if third-party app developers are, are, are using it, it's going to become uh, a, a lot more popular. I still think it has kind of an uphill battle. Yeah, you know, even when I first, first of all, I was like, wait, I have to download this app? So I went and yeah, downloaded it. Yeah, that was it. not good. <laughs> then, right? Like, I mean, we're talking about people that want to play with this stuff. And you're like, wait, I have to download this? Okay, so fine. I found it. And then I looked at it and I'm like, okay, 
how much of these routines am I really going to do? And then I, I really take pull myself out of this and I'm like, wait, if I'm already like, eh, whatever. I mean, just imagine the general consumer. They're going to be like, what, Siri, Siri shortcuts? Like, even if you put the app and made it readily available, it's just one of those things that I know, if anything, if it was even easy enough or more uh, relatable, I would end up being the one that would have to make the Siri shortcuts for my mom or for my dad anyways. Right. And so, you know, there's not that direct user like, hey, you can do this. This is easy to pick up. I I think that you're absolutely right. It has a long ways to go. And it just seems like Siri in general, I'm not hoping that it fails because quite honestly, like everyone's jealous of the Google Assistant and even what yeah. the, what Amazon is doing. They We wish that that was in the Apple ecosystem. I don't want Siri to fail, but it almost seems like at every step still, like you mentioned the HomePod, um, we have a Siri shortcuts. You know, it, the way it talks is, yeah, it's all right. And I'm just waiting behind the scenes. We've talked about this. When will we actually see that next generation Siri, if they call it Siri, that John Gian Andrea, who was poached from Google, actually puts out there. I still think that's like a two to three year project, but that seems to be like the only time where maybe it can make a leap and then start changing the perception around it. Well, I think that, you know, Apple is always working on this stuff behind the scenes uh, and that, you know, if you look at the Mac Pros and analog, you realize that, yeah, this is what happens, that there's something out there that people are using. Maybe they like, maybe they don't like that much, but it's out in the market. But Apple is going... Is that the best we can do? Um, and if they decide it's not, or if they you know, even they may, I'm sure they're working on it. There's a big question of are they working on upgrade or are they working on a rebuild? Um, and they have done, by the way, rebuilds on Siri before. So it's not the Siri you have now is not the Siri that launched with the iPhone 4S. Uh, and so that'll probably happen again. But the question is, you know, with everything they've learned and everything they see outside there, how much of a holistic solution can this be? Siri does not live in a vacuum. Apple knows this. Um, but it has to bring more things together to make this a cohesive experience with the smart home experience. And that's that's the big question. And in, along with that is, you know, how much natural language can we really do? The conversational approach. And by the way, it's gotten better. Conversation is better with Siri than before. It is like, you know, you don't have to keep saying, hey, Siri, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. saying the beginning, but then you get to, you know, like a couple of steps in and it's a bit of a conversation, but it doesn't, it never goes very far. So all of those things, I'm sure Apple is working on the background. They don't usually let us know what they're doing. So it's like we're just like waiting and we pound on them and they're like they take their lumps and they go, well, you know, this is what you have right now, but you'll have something better in the future. We just can't talk about it and we can't tell you we're working on it. Just just keep using what we got. Yeah, just just give us an ambiguous answer like you did earlier, um, earlier yeah. in our discussion. <laughs> hey, yeah, this, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and I and I have no. I mean, believe me, they've talked. They have not talked to me at all about <laughs> um, about the future of Siri. You know, but but I understand how Apple works. Yeah, and I understand that they are a long view company, um, and and some things are on a path, and then uh, you know a direct path, and some things are developed, and then they discover a use for them later that they didn't know. So there's all kinds of things happening at once. Hey, Lance, was there anything that you personally were hoping to see here at WWDC that maybe you didn't get? I mean, I know we we follow a lot of this stuff constantly, but was there anything that you're like, oh, I kind of wish I saw that, whether it's for selfish reasons or for fun? You know, the 
the thing that stood out to me that they didn't really hit on um, is uh, better battery management. Mm. And what's it now? Here's what's interesting. I I thought that they just you know it's weird they left it out. They have nothing to say about it, and yet. I found out after the fact that there is new battery management. There is something even smarter that's going to prolong the life of batteries that they didn't talk about, which I found strange because, you know, maybe that sounds like a dull topic, but everybody deals with battery issues. So, you know, if you've got some new software, you know, some new uh, silicon and software that's going to manage it better and it's part of the new iOS, why wouldn't you... I mean, the fact of the matter is no matter what, we're going to, like, get this data, you know, soon and we're going to discover all sorts of things that we didn't realize you know number of betas actually that they just couldn't talk about and a lot of that has to do with for us the sort of consumer facing side that sees the keynote they just can't fit it all in there yeah did um you know maybe we'll see the whole maybe the battery thing hooks to a better story when they actually release the iphone it's kind of a good talking point with the new iphone you know right and that you know the you know, WWDC is always kind of a, a, a signal for what's coming with the future iPhone. You know, so it is fun to kind of step back, look at the changes they're making to iOS uh, 13, and and imagine like, well, what does that imply about the next iPhone? And you know, I don't at this point not much jumped out at me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, me too. you know, it, you know, and, and I think that was interesting too. Uh, also, one other thing that's interesting is Apple is not, uh, you know, uh, not skeptical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's the word when you can't? I'm just blanked on the word. You know, uh, you walk by a mirror that's you break a mirror. You walk under bad a ladder. Luck, bad luck. Oh, superstitious. Superstitious. Thank you. Superstitious. Yes. They're not superstitious because guess what? We have iOS 13. <laughs> that and that that's a good way to wrap everything up. So, hey Lance, thanks again so much for coming out here. I'm always appreciate your insight and our discussions. But also, I want to talk to you and let our audience know um you recently got a new gig and so can you tell people what you're doing and where they can find more of your great work? Yes. So, um I'm now editor-in-chief of LifeWire and uh, LifeWire is a, a a website about helping you with technology. It's a tech positive site. Uh, believe in technology and believe in using it smartly um, and getting the most out of it without overusing it. Uh, there's all sorts of information about how to's and it's a really rich, rich, rich site. Um, and you know, what I'm bringing to it is a little bit more timely information. Uh, you know, I'm going to be, uh, you know, talking about it when I go on television and you're, you're, you know, you're going to see my articles at LifeWire, uh, LifeWire.com. And, uh, it's, um, I mean, it's just a site that really uh, loves technology uh, and really wants to humanize it. You know, wants to you know remind people that you know, yes, there are issues with technology and there are issues with the companies that do it. But the reality is, technology is a really important part of our lives, and the goal is to use it responsibly, to get more out of it, to enjoy it, and to not use it when you think you need to put it down. But you know. LifeWire can be there for all of that. So that's uh, that's what it is, and uh, that's a little bit what I'm doing. I've only been there for a little bit, uh, so there's going to be a lot more to come in that vein. But, uh, yeah, you can find me there, and, of course, you know, you'll find me on my, my Twitter account, Lance Ulanoff, and uh, that's kind of where my name for every account I'm on. So you can always follow along that way too. No, that, that's, that's great, Lance, and congratulations. I mean, you know, you're – 
editor in chief on top of all the other stuff you got going on. You're you're a busy man, and so I really <laughs> I really appreciate you always making the time um, to be a part of this show. And uh, thank you so much, Lance. And that was great stuff. I guess you know uh, what the next Apple event presumably will be the iPhone Fall event in September, and sometimes they have another one after that. So um, yep. I'm sure I'm sure you'll be there, and we'll we'll talk sometime around then as well. But thanks so much, Lance. Really appreciate everything. All right, that sounds great. Thank you. All right. So there you go, our reactions and recap of everything WWDC 2019. And just a reminder, you can support this show and get a completely ad-free version of it. You'll get early access to the episodes, other content, other exclusives as well at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. Thank you so much for all of your support. And we always have to say thanks to our platinum apples at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatikar. Thank you. Thank you so much. But also, I continue to see and love how you are responding to this. If you can't contribute right now, share the show with your friends, but also five-star it on iTunes. Write a review. I think we're over 800 five-star reviews now, which is bonkers. So I appreciate you all because that helps boost it in the algorithm. And again, be a part of the show by calling in with a voice memo recording from your phone and then send it to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Love hearing from you all. And what I'm going to try and work on doing is grabbing all of the calls you sent me because I know everyone has so many thoughts on WWDC. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you would rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. We can kind of get through a bunch of calls and just hit that, and I'd love to hear from you. So thanks again, everyone. Thank you so much for supporting this, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Be safe. Hey, WWDC 2019 really setting the direction for what's to come, especially coming this fall. All right, take care. Be safe, everybody. Peace. Peace.